Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, Loose Ends, our weekly spin-off podcast where I, Paul Verhoeven, sit down with Dad, uh, my dad, not Dad, he's not our dad. God, the wheels are falling off this one. Dad, I actually was uh, reading a paper this morning for another piece that I'm doing and I thought some of it might interest you as pertains to your zen, uh, to your minimalism. Dad, the findings I found are a little bit interesting. So I was looking into why people collect things, right? Because your job as an antique dealer, uh, often, you know, you make money in certain cases because you are buying things that people collected at some point they don't want anymore, or you are selling people things that they want for their collections. And I was curious as to why people collect things because I was also curious as to why you don't, why you and mum avoid collecting things. You do the opposite. So there's a few different theories that psychoanalysts and behavioral psychologists and whatnot. Oh, God, this is no, this isn't a criticism of you. This no, is literally. No, I'm just, loving it. It's interesting. So psychoanalysts have suggested a few different theories. One that unloved children learn to seek comfort by accumulating belongings. So I guess the psychology there is the more things they have, the less they need other people's validation because the things are proof of how much they, as a person, are worth. I thought that was an interesting. It is possibility. fascinating, particularly pertaining to you. What do you mean? Because you were incredibly loved and yes. still are. And yet I collect things. And yet you're, you, you, if you basically have one room and it's a homage, homage to Lego. Well, it's got some Lego in it. By the way, I some, packed down, Paul. I packed down, Dad, I packed away most of my Lego on the weekend. It's in tubs now. So oh, that's I've, interesting. Well, I mean, look, I, I, you are right. I am loved. I have a, I have several collections. I'm not a hoarder, but I do have lots of lovely things. But the next few uh, possibilities, explanations rather, I think will interest you. The second one is collecting is motivated potentially by existential anxiety. So even though, Dad, we will die, the things that we own, the collections of things that we curated and assembled um, will live on. Now, when you look at museums, when you look at a culture that is long since past and you look at the relics of theirs that are assembled in a museum, it is entirely possible that they have attained some level of immortality because even though the British fucking stole everything, when you go look at the Elgin marbles at the, um, at the British Museum, you do see a part of a long-dead people, and you do get to... They, they do, in a way, live on. And maybe it's that fear of death that <laughs> compels some people to curate collections of things to say, I was here. 
this was me. And that becomes slightly alarming with you, Dad, because whilst you don't have anything because you sell it compulsively, the books about you that I wrote and the podcast and now people's understanding of what you lived through and your stories and our personalities and our relationship, technically speaking, uh, we're going to live forever, baby. <laughs> what, do you, what, mm. do you think, what do you think of that? Well, I think that's correct in terms of living forever and whilst the world <laughs> exists as we yeah. know it. Yeah. And I, but I think collections, museums, they've got an amazing uh, display, a collection um, from Tutankhamun. Mm. And funnily enough, it's just up the road at the um, Sydney Museum. And I think history is really important. Yeah. Uh, so important. And because I deal in antiques, mm. what I do is I bring treasures home and I swear to myself and Christine, these are not negotiable. They're going to stay in our collection at home. You know, Paul, that we, whilst I'm a minimalist, minimalists can have... It doesn't mean you don't have anything. I knew a minimalist once who lived in an apartment mm-hmm. in Sydney's CBD. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was at the pointy end of minimalism. Before minimalism was a thing, before it was in the media, before there were books written about it. Are you sure he didn't just have really shitty taste? Because I know a couple of he people... He had exquisite who have, taste. I know a couple of people who are phenomenally rich who live in basically unadorned apartments, and it's not because they adhere to the tenets of minimalism, it's because they just have very bad taste and they don't... They don't have taste. They just exist in a space and don't really have strong opinions about art, music, film, you know, anything like that. So they just see a, 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 a living space as a place to sleep, but they actually just are almost a blank slate personality-wise. And I find that a real shame. And on the other end of the spectrum, you've got people who hoard things, and that's a joyless compulsion. That is not the curation of things. That I is agree. the accum- that is a That is a real psychological problem but dad i also read about something you know about peacocking you know about trying to attract a mate it's a very every living species tries to do this Mm. one theory for uh collecting it's called the endowment effect and the idea is that one idea for collecting is it's basically that you are trying to attract without meaning to attract potential mates by signaling how good you are at gathering things right and how how resourceful you are what do you think of that theory i Okay, you know, Paul, that I, I'm looking around our place here mm-hmm. and there are some exceptional items. And I don't say that lightly. A few weeks ago, I had some Chinese silver that has gone to one of the biggest auction houses in the world mm-hmm. and it's one of the best collections to come onto the market ever. Okay, that's ever in the world. That's how good it is that those items adorn this place for several weeks. Christian and I acknowledge um, the beauty, the rarity, mm-hmm. the significance. If I have friends over, which you know is rare, because basically we don't have anyone over here, um, but I find it frustrating to have to explain individual items to people that come over be it friends or family. Why? Because when people come in the front door and they look around and I'm... 
actually really hoping that they will be able to fully appreciate the significance of the items they're looking at. Yeah, but I've, Dad, I've walked into the apartment and you've bounced up and taken me and Tegan around to each thing and, and just said what it is, how much it's worth and where it's from, and then looked at us uh, for a reaction. You clearly want people to know exactly. Are you hoping people intuit? Like, yes. what, are you, what are you talking about? Like, you, love, you love doing this. I, lo- I love doing it. But but you don't like doing it. Paul. <laughs> Fucking mess of contradictions, John DeHoven. Paul, listen to me. Yes. I, what I would like to say... You don't even know. You, you don't know. Know thyself, Dad. No, you don't know. <laughs> I do, but I sometimes feel as though people don't fully appreciate the significance of the items, and that's a fair comment. And it's, so when and you it's g- true, really. Also, when you give someone something, when you give them a gift or whatever, you tell them uh, how hard it was to get, how much it costs, where it was from, because you, I know, I know the impulse there because I have the same impulse. I need them to... Some people, when you give them a thing or show them a thing, they don't react. True. And, I, and it drives me crazy. If you walk someone up to a thing that is objectively incredible with an amazing backstory mm. and they ignore that backstory or don't take it in, it drives mm. me crazy. And it's, and it's bred in me, Dad, a compulsion to over-explain and over-hype things. But, do you, <laughs> so are you, are you, interesting. Yeah, it's you, interesting you, listening I, to you, Paul. I'm I saying... Think, I feel at this juncture I'm actually talking to myself. It's pretty fucking relate. It's relatable, isn't it? So when I walk into an art gallery and I see people looking at the artwork but ignoring the plaque, I want to scream because I go, the the context is so important. When you read the story behind a thing and then look at it, or do that in reverse order, look at the thing. I, and then, right. It's that's so very, this this is a, a very interesting topic. Something you and I have never discussed, and that's yeah. the thing about labels and art. Yes, and. I actually take a contrarian view to you. Right. An opposite view. I have always been fastidious in reading the labels before I look at the art. Uh I've completely... I've done an about-face now. And I feel it's important to not be distracted Mm. by the object, by knowing about it. So now what I I do is that I move along, and I I love galleries. I make... Every city in the world I've ever been into, I make a beeline for the galleries. I have spent eight hours at the Louvre by myself. Mm-hmm. That, that's, a, that's a long time. Yeah. The brain is not... It's not possible for the human brain to absorb that much information. You, be, you go crazy in these big institutions. But what I like to do now is stand back and let the art speak for itself. Yeah, but once you've done that, surely then the context after that is totally fine. Like, I, 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 I feel... Love, mm. Yeah, I, I, I like the idea, by the way, I, I will walk into a room, have an honest emotional reaction to a thing, look it over, then, yes, then I will read the, the plaque. Depending on where they put it, sometimes an artist will put the explanation before the artwork, right? Mm. But w- watching people experience art in different ways is very interesting. And as pertains to this podcast... Sometimes you will tell... No, you know what? Not sometimes. Regularly, you will tell myself and the listeners a story. And before the story, you will tell us that it is... This is an amazing story. It's, it's full of pathos. It, it tells you... And you literally do the plaque thing. So you preload these stories. And I, I like that you do this because you are telling us up front how much it means to you, how significant it is. And you're basically looking people in the eye and going, fucking pay attention because this is going to be X, Y, Z. So with this show... You frame crime stories uh, most of the time if you're into them. 
in a way that you like that is an invert of how you approach art in galleries where you get to the context later does mm. that make sense it does but what i find happens and yep. it's it's a i think it's a normal human reaction that if you see a piece of art prior to looking at it insofar as you find out who did it uh-huh and you find out that it's by for example let's say Trying to think of that American artist who did the Campbell soup can. Andy Warhol. But how about the um? How about uh, the Mona Lisa? Knowing the Mona Lisa is the Mona Lisa, and knowing about the hype. Uh, if you walked into a gallery and had like, imagine you had amnesia and didn't know anything about the Mona Lisa's name, history, Leonardo da Vinci, any of that stuff, the cultural whatever, and you were wandering through a gallery. And you saw that painting and it wasn't in a room behind Perspex and Bulletproof Glass with cameras aimed at it. It was just in a room. I sincerely doubt you would have the reaction you have. But because you have been top loaded with all that context, it makes you look at it differently. Now, whether that puts an unfair weight of expectation on it is a valid discussion to have. But I like that you preload stories and tell us how much they mean to you and how... You know, and and when they're set and prior, you're a hype man, right? I mean, that's I think that's an important okay, thing. Okay, but what I was trying to say was that knowing that it's by a famous artist, yeah, will have a dramatic effect on your perception. Yes, and take the Mona Lisa as mm-hmm. a point. I saw the Mona Lisa in that room. Yeah, there were f- between five hundred and a thousand people packed. All of them. Taking selfies, not one person was looking at the picture. Well, I, I know... They had their backs fact, like, to the picture. I mean, you can't say not one because some would have been. But I understand. I was in awe of that, of that and that took, for me, yeah. that was far more spectacular than the painting itself, which is yeah. a small painting. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I specifically and on purpose didn't go over and look at the painting. I just walked out. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right 
for you. So I've seen it from a distance, yep. but I was so overcome by uh, people's reaction to it, which was basically not to look at it. To I found point. that just uh, yep. fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just, hey, I'm just one person. No, to, that po- to that point, Dad, there is a artwork called Comedian, which is showing at the uh, Triennial at the NGV right now. I'm sure lots of you have actually heard of this. It's a banana gaff taped to a wall. Um, it's by a uh, artist called Maurizio um, Catalan, and it's yeah, it's called Comedian. You enter a room. It, you've been through like nine rooms of avant-garde art, and it's all very, it's all very well made. It's all very dense stuff. You walk into this room, and there is a white wall, completely white room, and there is a banana taped to a wall. And every once in a while, they'll change the banana. I can send you a picture of it, Dad. It's a, it's a strip of silver gaff tape and a banana, and the banana slowly rots, but it's just there. Now, the artwork isn't actually the banana. The artwork is standing back, to your point, and watching what people do. And what they do is they stand in front of it taking photos. And that's the artwork, is watching people's hysteria taking photos with a thing that they've seen online. So it's not making fun of those people. It's not an indictment of art and culture. It's just a social experiment it's not judgy because the fact is actually it's exploring an interesting phenomenon it's a piece of performance art installation art whatever and it's a really interesting commentary on things like the mona lisa and also i was going to say if you told me stories about roger rogerson for example right if you had told me stories about roger rogerson uh from back in the day during this show and hadn't told me it was roger rogerson and then just said it was some cop don't get me wrong It'd be an incredible story, but it wouldn't be as iconic as it is. But when you top load it and say Roger Rogerson, Dad, if you, there is a reason that the, I think, three of our top 10 rated episodes of all time are the ones with Roger Rogerson in the name. Hmm. It's because people, people want to, they, like, the, the top loading, the explanation, the ramping in, the hyping that you do, the things that you say up front, the, the name recognition, right? Mona Lisa, Banana, Roger Rogerson, whatever. That's what gets people in. It's the quality of the content that makes them stay. The Mona Lisa, you don't need to sit there staring at it, right? There are pieces of artwork at the Louvre which are so fucking phenomenal. And they're also very famous. They're like, you know, a couple of tiers down. The Wing Victory of Samothrace is this incredible statue on one of the main stairwells. You can sit there staring at it for hours. It never, it never gets old. Um, and I think what I'm discovering is I like a little bit of hype. And I think that you and I are both people that hype things up. And I used to think that was a negative trait. I used to kind of sit there going, I wish we could just tell the story and let it speak for itself. But after this episode, after this conversation, I'm becoming increasingly, um, I I now believe that the way you do things (laughs) is really good. I think it gets people really psyched up. There's a reason you have a warm-up guy at gigs. There's a reason when you go and see a live taping of a show, there's a stand-up there sort of getting the audience to practice clapping. There's a reason you get people buzzed before the story because sometimes the motor's not running. Sometimes you need to get warmed up. And what you do so well before you tell harrowing true crime stories is get people warmed up. You're like, hey guys, just want you to know this is going to be fucking great and here's why. Uh, Get excited. Because sometimes the human brain needs a jump start. It needs mm. a jostle, and you're very good at that. Paul, coming back to um, minimalism, Yeah, minimalism doesn't mean you have nothing. I wanted to just come back to this guy that I knew. He was suave and sophisticated. He was financially very, very comfortable. He was a man about town. He, mm-hmm. was, he was 
I mean, an analogy for me would have been Roger Moore in a James, sure. early James Bond movie. Yeah. And he lived in an apartment in the city. We got chatting about minimalism. This is more than 20 years ago, maybe 25 years ago, 30 sure. years ago. Yeah. And he had finessed the concept of minimalism to the point where he took all his kitchen doors off every cupboard. So he had no kitchen doors. He had a bed, a single bed, in the middle of the apartment. Mm-hmm. I find that fascinating. He had one cup. Yeah. Um, and people can judge and go, that's mad. Well, no, I don't agree. I, do, I think to say something's mad is a very... It's a very, very subjective thing. But I'm not like that, but I'm fairly... Um, you know, we, we don't have a lot of cutlery, for example. Um, if we did entertain, we could only entertain four people, including us. If they And if, we, if there were more, we'd have to ask them to either A, bring their own cutlery, or B, we'd go out and get some more. Yeah. Um, but I think with a minimalist environment and mindset, you can still have a couple of beautiful things. And what happens in that minimalist environment with the odd really good thing is it accentuates the beauty. Oh, yeah, I see. So if you've got a beautiful thing in the middle of a room with not much around it, the eye is drawn to the thing. Yes, instead of this... this, When I had my picture-hanging business, I was often asked to do what's called a salon wall. A salon wall, listeners, for those of you that may not have heard of that term, Mm. is where the paintings hang from the floor to the ceiling. Okay. The, the bottom of the lowest painting is on the ground. Gotcha. That's where it starts. Yeah. The brief, when you go into the place, is, John, we want that entire wall uh-huh. covered in art. It's a prick of a job. Right. Um, for, for many, many reasons, particularly when the client would say and this is when I'd just basically go crazy and walk out, they'd say, can you please lay it down on the floor so that we get, so we see what, what your plan is? And I'd say, no, because it evolves organically. Um, and of course, the more people you have involved in that, it then becomes an issue of, well, no one will ever be really happy and you spend hours just moving it around like a Rubik's Cube and achieving nothing. That's the extreme. And, and I have been into houses where... You can't see the floor for for clothes and just and there it's a disease and a sickness where people can't actually get rid of anything. Um, it's but then you can take things to the extreme. It's a look. I am very passionate about things that I care about, and I live and breathe the world of antiques. Yeah, I do so much research. The problem that I come across with my research is that I develop and gain a lot of knowledge and I kind of build up this hype internally and sometimes I take a vase or something to one of the leading experts and they basically just deflate my my ego, my everything, all my research, they just throw it out the door yeah. in a microsecond. Yeah. It's so, so hard to take. And I have to suck it up. 
that's I guess that's why I like the world of auctions because the market decides um, the value of my items. Yeah. Um, yeah, we haven't really touched on what I was going to talk about, which will have to be next week. Yeah, honestly, Dad, I think this has been a genuinely valuable discussion to have uh, because I really just wanted to kind of uh, explain why I like the way you tell stories. And also, uh, frankly, I've been um, uh, going to therapy for a few months now and a lot of stuff's been coming up uh, about myself and it's really comforting to see that uh, you and I have brains that function in much the same way, which might be why, even though one of us is a police officer, an ex-police officer rather, and one of us is an author, we do, and we have a generational divide, we have so much in common mm. on, on, on like a deep psychological level. And I'm finding this, the ongoing project of Loose Units has been such, and it continues to be such a valuable, valuable process for me. Um, so, and I just wanted listeners to know that, uh, you know, I, I think Dad and I, we might seem like real odd bods, but, there's nothing wrong with uh, helping you, I think, understand us a little more. So I hope I've done that a little bit. I agree. Uh, and also this. father-son relationships are... Oh my God, yes. Yes, of course. You know, there are just so many dysfunctional father-son relationships. And of course, there are some many, many extraordinary father-son mm. relationships. Yeah. And that's not to take away from, you know, all the different combinations, which in, in this day and age are sort of almost infinite um but relationships are important honesty is important feeling one thing we always stressed christina and myself listeners and i i really want to bring this i want to absolutely give this an iron seal you've just taken a big hot red piece of metal out of a forge or a foundry and you're just beating the shit out of it on an anvil and that is that you have to have honesty and dialogue with your children you have to say to your kids from a very early age, no matter what happens, you've got to come and tell us. And that's really important to have this sort of open line of communication. And be man enough if your kids say to you, look, Dad or Mum, that's just not right. At least be able to sit down and, you know, discuss things and, you know, just create this... Um, two-way uh, sort of environment and treat treat your kids, you know, with... Um, look, it's a, it, parenting is complicated, yeah. really. It's, it's, it's full-on. Mm-hmm. And yeah. theory is one thing. There have been lots of books written about bringing kids up and then all of a sudden you've got this screaming kid and you just you lose your brain, you, you lose your mind, you become irrational and... Yeah, it's it's a tough one, but yeah. um, but it's good too. Um, Look, I honestly think that we may have just done a free psychoanalysis session, but I hope also it's given all of you a little bit more insight into the brains of John Verhoeven and Paul Verhoeven. Uh, I, that's what Loose Ends is for. It's it's for going off off topic. But uh, getting back on topic, we are out of time now, but we're going to be back next week with our part two of our look at the late Roger Rogerson. Thank you so much for your feedback on the Facebook page. Uh, we will see you next week. Have a great weekend, everybody, and we will see you very, very soon for more Loose Units. Bye, everyone. Cheerio. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.